Now, let's just kind of back up. We have, we've already talked about this. Mark is, there's so many miracles taking place in the book of Mark that Jesus does. But there is also, there's the crowd that's just pressing in on him. There's the disciples, his 12, that he's chose to be with him. There are these new passionate followers of Christ that are going to be sent out to preach that uh, we've looked at. But then you've also got, and they've been there all along, we've looked at them, you've got the scribes and the Pharisees that they're evaluating every single word that Jesus says to see if there's something that they can find fault with him and his teaching or criticizing. Even when Jesus does miracles, they're not happy about it. Uh, Max Lucado said this, he said, if your family doesn't appreciate you, take heart, Jesus faced the same thing in his family. In this crowd, now there's a big change. Jesus' family is kind of standing on the sidelines, and they've come, as we looked at last week, and we said we'd be talking about that this, this week, they've come to kind of get Jesus and take him home. They want him to come home because they maybe feel like he's lost his mind, that he's lost his senses, that something's going on. And so you've got this really intense scene and so tonight, I would just, before we get started and before I pray over the message this evening, I would say to you, if your family sometimes doesn't appreciate you, then take heart because Jesus' family, as Max Lucado said, they didn't always appreciate him either. Let's read the scripture and then we're going to pray tonight. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him and they stood outside and sent word for Jesus to come out and talk with him, and there was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are asking for you. And Jesus replied, who is my brother, excuse me, who is my mother, who are my brothers? And then he looked around him and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers, and anyone who does God's will is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask you to speak to our hearts tonight this is a passage of scripture that really needs your, we need your help in understanding it. We need your help in processing it so that, God, we don't sin against you or sin against our family. So I'm asking you tonight in Jesus' name, would you touch us, help us to understand this passage and apply it well, for it's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen, amen, and amen. And if you're agreeing with me on that, if you could just do an amen or, you know, something like that online and just let me know that you're following along, that would mean so much. Jesus' statement, this statement that he made in his culture is a very shocking culture. It's a very shocking statement to make. As a matter of fact, one critic said of Jesus making this statement, he's a critic of Jesus, he's not a follower of Jesus, but he says that Jesus has trampled blood, meaning family. He's trampled honor, and he's trampled country, and he's also trampled love in making this statement. But what Jesus was doing, we need to pay careful attention, was he wasn't throwing his family under the bus. He loved his family. Jesus was not breaking his family ties. Jesus honored his family. It was God, Jesus was God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It was God who taught us to honor our father and our mothers. It was God who taught us to love one another, to love our brothers and sisters. But in this statement, and you remember last week, we, we looked at that statement that it said that his family thought he was losing his senses. In this statement that just shocks everybody, and, and just let's just use our imagination for just a moment. 
there's a crowd. We're in Capernaum. Everybody's turning out. They want to see Jesus. And so Jesus' family is probably pushed to the very extremes, and a message is passed. Sometimes people will pass messages to me, or an usher will bring a message to me during the service. Um, People have told me before, I tried to text you during the service, but I turned that off on my phone during that time uh, because I want to worship, and you should turn off those kind of notifications on your phone as well because we want to worship. But sometimes people will pass me up a message because there's something important that I need to know. So what Jesus was doing when, when he got the message that his mother and his brothers were there, and I'm positive that Jesus looked out over that congregation And he spotted his family. He saw them there, even though there was a crowd. He makes this very startlingly statement. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he looked around and just imagine Jesus extending his hands like this. He just looked around and he says, these are my mothers, my brothers, and anyone who does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. That is a startling and shocking statement. And I'll say it again, Jesus was not breaking his family ties. He honored those. Even the final hours of Jesus' life, in John chapter 19 and verse 26, he looks at his mother who's there at the foot of the cross. And when Jesus saw, look at John 19 verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the, the, the disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took him into his home. In other words, Jesus was taking care of his mother. His brother James, who would have been one of these that came to rescue Jesus and because they thought he was losing his mind, his brother James would later become a devoted apostle. He would become a devoted and devout and respected and revered leader in the early church. And James would die a martyr's death. He would, he, would, he would give his life for the Lord. So it's important that we understand he's not breaking those family ties at all. He has harsh words for people who dishonor their family ties. He has very harsh words indeed. He looks at a group of people one time, and this is in Mark chapter 7, and we'll be coming to this later in our study of Mark, but let's look at this passage. And then he said, you sidefully, speaking to the, the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, you sidefully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Notice this, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, now he's, he's talking to these who are, you know, maybe they haven't broken family ties, but they're dishonoring those family ties, which is the same thing. He said, but you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. And this way you let them disregard their needy parents And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. And if you're using our Bible app online, or if you have your Bible and open in front of you tonight, underline that little phrase, one example among many others. In other words, they were saying the right things, but there were many examples of people that were not honoring their family are honoring their parents, or honoring their brothers and sisters, because 
When they're there, when Jesus' mother and his brothers show up because they fear he's lost his mind, and this is really, really, really difficult for us to understand because Mary gave birth to Jesus. She, it was the virgin birth. God overshadowed her. She diapered Jesus. She bathed Jesus. She dressed Jesus as a little boy. She and Joseph together took him to the temple. There's those, a beautiful story of them walking home from the temple, talking together, and Jesus is doing the will of the Father. They knew what Jesus was called to do. By this time, Joseph had probably died and gone on to heaven. But we don't know why, except they're, they're, they were concerned. As we looked at last week, and and I'm saying this more for those who may not have been listening to last week's message. They were not there because they disbelieved in Jesus. I, I, you know, his brothers naturally had some, we'll find that out later as we study as well. They had some questions, but Mary knew who he was. But they thought that maybe he had just lost his mind. And this is why, because you didn't miss meals. Jesus was fasting. Jesus was going out and spending the night in the wilderness. Jesus had gathered a group of disciples that weren't the kind of people the Pharisees thought you ought to be with. And this word was getting back to them. Remember, they called Matthew and his friends the scum of the earth that Jesus was eating with. Jesus was just doing things totally in an unexpected way than what they thought he should do. And so Jesus says this important statement, and this leads me to the second point, when he says that the people who do the will of God, this is his mother, this is his brother, this is his sister. There is a much deeper family relationship that we can have in Christ with the body of Christ. There is a family relationship that goes much deeper, and that may rattle your cage a little bit, especially if you've made an idol out of your family. God gave us our families. Becky and I thank God every single day for the wonderful family that he gave us. This Christmas holiday, we were home celebrating with our families. And, and over and over, I found myself in the evening before I went to bed. And when I got up in the morning for my morning devotions, I just had to kneel and give God thanks for my family and Becky's family and the love that we share and the laughter that we share. But there is a, there is a blessing in our family that is so rich, and that is it's not just the bloodline we share. It's the blood of Jesus Christ we share. We truly have a Christian family. My, my brothers and sisters and my mother and Becky's mother, we love the Lord. And we love his people. We love the church. From the earliest age, my sisters and I were taught to love God's people, to love the church, to, to love and respect the pastor of the church. And I can remember growing up and having some of my greatest heroes were the people that were associated with my local church. If you'll look with me at Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. And again, we're talking about the reaction of Jesus' mother and his brothers to him. Peter spoke up to Jesus in Mark 10 and verse 28, and he says, we've given up everything to follow you. Now, notice what Jesus said. Yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now and return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, 
along with persecution, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. What is he saying here? The family tie that we share as Christians is much deeper than the natural bloodlines that we share. What if you come to know Christ out of a non-Christian family? What if you give your heart to Christ and your wife doesn't give her heart to Christ? You don't dishonor your wife. You don't leave your wife. You love your wife. You, you love your children. But you find this growing affection and affinity for the people of God. And you honor God and you honor that family and you love them. And you, you love your family as well. And you pray and work and you fast and you intercede for the day that your wife and your children will come to know Jesus Christ. Think about our missionaries or pastors who followed God's call to distant places in the nation or in the world to serve the Lord, and they only get to see their family infrequently. My daughter-in-law, her family serves as missionaries in Paraguay, and she grew up, you know, spending long times without seeing her grandparents or her aunts and uncles, and now her father and mother still are missionaries in Paraguay, and she's here married to our son, raising their family. They're still working with missions, but there's still that distance. There's a sacrifice that sometimes calls us away from family. Through the years, I've pastored people and ministered to people. My son is not going into the ministry. My child is not going to be a missionary. Or, you know, the family has become more of an idol rather than a blessing from God. We should honor our families. We should love our families. But there are people that will miss fellowship in church. They will miss worshiping the Lord together in order to do all family things, but never be fully participating, fully functioning, passionate followers of Christ, fully devoted members of a local church in their community, because their family comes first. And beloved, hear me on this tonight. This deeper relationship, God says, if you will honor him and honor the relationship that he calls us to participate in as a part of the body of Christ, that God will bless your family ties, that God will bless you with even deeper relationships, and God will bless your children. My sisters and I were the beneficiaries of many blessings that have come through the years because of our parents' commitment to Christ and raising us up in church together. Notice what Jesus said, whoever does, whoever does the will of God, it's not obedience that saves you. Faith, listen, this is important. It's faith in Christ that saves us. None of us obeys perfectly. I'd like to tell you that I was the perfect man and I did everything perfect. And I remember when I was younger and I, I studied Michelangelo's Renaissance man and I, I developed all these facets in my life that I worked on trying to achieve perfection there. I, and, and I still have that, that dream of just achieving as much perfection as I can in my life. But that's not what saves me. I will never be perfect. You will never be perfect. So it's faith that saves us, but it's obedience that leads us closer and closer to becoming the man or the woman that God has called you to be, that leads you, it's obedience that leads you to becoming more and more the husband or the wife that God has called you to be. It's faith and obedience that leads you more and more to becoming the child or the son or daughter that you're called to be. It's faith that leads you and obedience that leads you to participate and to be a part 
of the body of Christ. I heard someone t- ask me today, what, how are we saved? And, and I said, the bottom line of how we're saved is we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And then we follow him in the waters of baptism. And then we follow him in, in maturity and discipleship and learning how to study our Bibles and learning how to pray together and learning how to pray with our word and, 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 and pray privately with the scriptures and open those up and also pray together with the body of Christ and with your small group and study the word of God together. So this leads me to the two final brief points I want to make, and that is there you have this deeper relationship. Jesus does a break family ties. You have this deeper relationship, but you've got to listen carefully to what Jesus is saying. You don't just read a passage like this and go over it and, and just, you know, just kind of brush it off, but you listen carefully to what he's saying. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 4 and verse 34. Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. In other words, Jesus is saying, my strength, my nourishment, my food is to do the will of God and to finish what God has called me to do. What did God call him to do? He called him to heal the sick, to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind, to preach the gospel, the good news, and then take your sins and my sins to the cross and die for our sins, shed his blood for our sins. And on the third day, he was raised again, sealing the deal. He rose again to the Father, to the right hand of the Father. And one day, he's coming back for you and me. Somebody out there say, come on, victory tonight. You know, put an amen in there. Let me know that you're following along with me. And I don't know if it's on Facebook, if it happens like this, but I do know if you're using our church online. Or, you know, I don't know if this works on Facebook or YouTube, but I know if you're watching on church online with us tonight, then you can follow along with all the points and the scriptures and the fill-ins and everything. My nourishment comes. Listen, there is much, much more for you in Christ than what you've ever dreamed. Your nourishment and my nourishment comes from doing the will of God as well. And have you ever noticed this? And, and sometimes I have to point this out to our congregation here at Woodland. And um, we had to cancel service, not cancel, but just ask everybody to join us online because we've had such a huge, heavy snowfall today. But when we commit to obeying the Lord, it opens us up so much more to the presence of the Holy Spirit, It creates a dynamic relationship between us. It's not a static relationship, but there's this dynamic. We share the blood and the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit pulsates through us. His word is living in us. And we become a living expression of the body of Christ in our community. Mark chapter 10 and verse 29, just to keep expounding what Jesus said. He suggests, and I assure you again, that everyone who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times. Would you circle that word now? Now? Return a hundred times? As many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution? Now, let me talk about the now for just a moment. Because I can witness to you tonight that when I gave my heart to Christ, something dramatic happened. Suddenly, I found real friends. 
The very next day, I, I had asked the Lord the night I gave my heart to Jesus, give me Christian friends. The very next day, this had never happened, at Willingham High School, one of my friends came up to me and invited me to a Bible study on campus that we were having. And I will never forget him coming up. And by the end of that day, I had five brand new Christian friends that I made. And we've all been friends through the years. Through Facebook, we've been able to stay in touch with each other and by the phone through the years. A couple have already gone to heaven. But that's what I'm saying. It began that day. And now when I look back over my life and the friends and the relationships, I can think about Bodwan and Ina that Becky and I have stayed in their home overseas, loved their children. You know, I can think about the times that Bodwan and I have sat and drank coffee together as they were planting and building their church. And for five years, we worked with them. I can think about Mark and Jeanette where we worked with them for five years in Argentina and all the friendships that we made there, and there the hot chocolate that we always drank with other people and because it was so cold at that time of the year. I can think about the common bowl that I've shared with, with my friends in Kenya. I can think about the common bowl I've shared with my friends in Ethiopia. I can remember in Uganda meeting brothers and sisters in Christ. Beloved, hear me tonight. Around the world... In India, in Calcutta, India, of all places, I, I sat with a young man because uh, I had been asked by the, the, the missionary to, to go and spend an afternoon with this young man because he was suffering with a kind of disease that I had had, similar to the disease that I had. And, and so we had a lot in common. We spent the day talking, praying together. He showed me the work he could do from his bed. He was bedridden. I had no idea that I would come home from that trip and have to go through five major surgeries and suffer for three years, intense pain, losing almost 60 pounds. And thank God for the family I was surrounded with here at this church. But through email, he would pray for me and we stayed in touch while I was in and out of the hospital. This is what I know what Jesus did. He gave me friends, and he gives you friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. Never be afraid to take God at his word. Has there been persecution along the way? I've never experienced persecution like folks in Africa, the Middle East, or parts of South America have. You know, we're so blessed as Americans, and we take that for granted sometime. But I can tell you, I have been so blessed and I can't wait to get to heaven to see all that God has for us. Uh, let me read to you Matthew 10, 37. If you love your father or mother more than me, then you love me. You're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Those are tough words. I love Becky. I love my four children, my four grandchildren. I love my mother. I, I, I love my, my sisters, I, my brother-in-laws. I, I love Becky's mom and her, her sisters, Becky's sisters and their husbands. We're like just this. We're family. But here's what I've learned as a result of being sure that Jesus stays at the center of it all. This is what I've learned of being sure that Jesus is first. If you listen to these verses obediently, now this is important. If you listen to them obediently, this is the key to having a loving, a healthy, a dynamic family relationship. Because if you put family first over God, then you're going to tear your family apart eventually. Because when God is first, 
He draws us all closer together. John, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. We love each other because he loved us first. This is decades ago. I, I like saying that, you know, now that I'm getting much older, I, I like saying that. Decades ago, a pastor said to me one time, he says, strive in ministry to be a better lover than you are a fighter. And he wasn't saying don't fight the good fight of faith, but he was saying don't fight with people. Don't fight with your brothers and sisters. Learn to be a good lover. Learn to love like Jesus' love. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Craig Brian Larson was a Assemblies of God pastor in Chicago. I think this is in your um, notes if you're following on church online. Doing God's will faithfully, zealously, despite the absence of tangible rewards is a worthy goal and a colossal success in itself. If you've got that in your app, write that down. It's a colossal success in itself. Doing God's will faithfully, zealously, despite the absence of tangible rewards, is a worthy goal and a colossal success in itself. Is he saying that out of pride? No. He's saying that because, beloved, when we do the will of God, we invite the blessings of God into our life that make us a colossal success. I want my life to be pleasing in the eyes of God. I want my family to be pleasing in the eyes of God, my, our congregation. I want this community that I live in, that I love so much, I want it to be a colossal success. And the way to do that is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. This is the great commandment. And the way we accomplish this is by doing the great commission that we go forth into the world and that we make disciples and we baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if we will love Jesus first, to love people the way Jesus loved them, as we've already seen in the book of Mark. If we'll build relationships, if we will bless people, if we will honor them, if we will do good for them, before we try to tell them all about Jesus, before we try to preach at them, if we will simply build relationships with them first, then we can plant seeds in good ground and they'll listen to us. This evening, before church, I went to one of our local businesses, and um, if you've been with me this week, every restaurant I've been to, and I've, and I've got to leave again in the morning for another meeting, when I've asked for a Diet Coke with my lunch, they say we serve Pepsi. I drink water rather than Pepsi. I just, you know, I'm not a Pepsi lover. When I walked into this business this evening, and someone saw me coming in, they met me at the door with a with a, a, a soft drink and a, a napkin around it, and it was a Diet Coke, and they said, Pastor, it just, you just look like you could use a Diet Coke. I started laughing because the staff has teased me a little bit about that this week. But that, to me, was a sense of God just blessing me. But before it was over, 
before I had left this business, all of a sudden, a conversation just broke out. People were wanting to talk to me about Jesus. And to be able to talk about Jesus and know that other people were listening in, friends, can I encourage you, do the will of God by loving God, loving your family, and loving people in that order. Don't get people, career, money, or family before your discipleship in Christ. Mary and her sons, Jesus' brothers, they got the message. And later they would understand. Mary would be at the foot of the cross. James would become a leader in the church. I promise you, they may not always understand it first. But if you put God first, God will bless you and honor you before other people. God bless you. I'm so glad you joined me tonight. I want to pray for you and just pray that you have a wonderful evening and ask the Lord to touch and to bless your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, for providing everything we need. Thank you that <clears throat> the snowstorm didn't cancel us being able to meet with one another online. And I ask you, Lord, to bless my friends and my family in Christ. Nurture and encourage them in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Good night.